Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with Chris Mack. She's a speaker, author, and consultant with an upcoming book coming out, hashtag no approval needed. She helps corporations and companies be better emotionally equipped to deal with or have a, have, have a good um, way of a balance with employees and having that emotion because a lot of, the, a lot of times companies feel like they are robotic. They're just looking for that bottom line. So Chris here helps those companies be emotionally intelligent companies and and leaders so they can run companies that are humanized. Chris, thank you so much for joining us and coming on to the podcast. Thank you, Janaid. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So EQ is, is something new that I've, I mean, it's not new, but for the longest time, everybody would talk about IQ and each is a, the emotional quotient of somebody or some person. And it resonated with me because as human beings, we have a ton of emotions and how to deal with these emotions is, is a completely whole new way of like, we obviously we go through life, right? And we have a lot of, uh, help from our parents, help from teachers to be better human beings. But like, tell us a little bit about like, where did the concept of no approval needed and like, what inspired you to be an EQ consultant? Yeah. So first let's go back to just EQ in general. Yeah. So emotional intelligence has you know, been out for really, the concept has been out for more than 30 years, but to your point, even though it's been talked about in business for a while, it's still mm. a fairly new concept for many people. Yeah. And I was first exposed to it probably oh, 20 years ago when I was a psychologist for the school systems. And back then, we were going around to entire school faculties and, and doing a train-the-trainer model where we would train the teachers on emotional intelligence so that they could train the kids. Mm. Because we knew that back then, if the kids were equipped with emotional and social skills, they performed better academically, there were fewer behavior problems, and lower absentee rate. So then fast forward to my time in corporate America, and I was exposed to it from a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it just made so much sense to me, you know, with the background in psychology, that we experience emotions 24-7. And so what I find so fascinating about the workplace is that so many people are very naive in thinking that we can separate emotions from business. It's impossible because that's not how we're wired from a neurological standpoint. Our emotions cue us into what's going on in our environment. So it becomes critical to learn how to use them to our advantage so that we can perform at an optimal level at work helps us to understand ourselves better and how to navigate our emotions, how to express ourselves in a way that's professional and meaningful, how to build strong relationships, how to make 
good sound decisions with allow, not allowing emotions to get in the way and how to cope with challenges. So it, it, man, it's, we're talking about stress tolerance there. Yeah. So you can see how it would be really important for leaders and individual contributors to be emotionally intelligent at work. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's really powerful because you're, you're mentioning 20 years ago, teachers were taught, you know, you're going around mm-hmm. teaching teachers <laughs> how mm-hmm. to be emotionally, emotionally intelligent. And I didn't go to school system in the United States. I went to school system in a totally different country and mm-hmm. back in, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia. And I don't know what level of emotional intelligence they had, but we, you know, growing up, it's a totally different school environment for me. Mm-hmm. And coming to the corporations, like you mentioned, you know, businesses need to be more emotionally intelligent because the people, the humans that are running it have these emotions. If AI or computers were running a business, then yeah, you, you might not need that much EQ in there or EI. Emotionally mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. They, you know, we need to be better equipped. So with your experience and working for Fortune, you know, 500 companies and, and bringing this EQ, and it's really interesting because when you mentioned, right, EQ has been around for 30 years mm-hmm. and I'm drawing parallels, parallels with user experience that's been around mm-hmm. for around 30 years as well because it first came up when, when we started using computers because mm-hmm. that's where the user experience comes from. And there's still a lot of companies, a lot of recruiters, like I've never hired for a UX position. Mm. So I've been a recruiter for 20 years, but I've never had to hire somebody in this area. Can you tell me something about it? So it's, it's really, really interesting because it's almost like EQ is in its, in its own niche area, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like UX is, just like so many different things are. Mm-hmm. So what is one thing that you've done or like what are, what are some things that companies are doing to bring it more apparent or become basically make it more popular? Mm-hmm. Some companies are really ahead of the curve and they're, they're very intentional and progressive in trying to create emotionally intelligent workplaces. I mean, I've done some really significant work with some large global pharmaceutical companies and you know they've had me do not only assessments where that gives people a baseline of you know their skill set but also some one-on-one coaching and then we've done virtual webinars because you know the challenge with today's workplace is organizations are designed with a matrix design or you have so many remote workers that people that are trying to decide how do we get training, you know, you have to be really versatile. So we don't only do face-to-face workshops and training, but we also do virtual. That way you can reach people wherever they are. And so it's really about making the training, the coaching accessible. And same thing with the assessments, you know, people can do those online and then we do one-on-one debriefs through like a Zoom call or something. So it doesn't matter what country they're in. It doesn't matter what the time zone is. You know, it just makes it really easy to work with them. But we always start with a needs assessment to figure out 
well, where are their blind spots? So just like we as individuals have blind spots, Mm -hmm. leaders have blind spots and organizations have blind spots. So I help them identify those first. And then that helps us decide, you know, what's the type of intervention that we need to co-create to make the most impact. And so it's really fun. And you definitely can see the impact um, as far as people improving communication, mm-hmm. improving, and, um, you know, that, and they've done a lot of research actually yeah. that shows that people who are emotionally intelligent outperforming those who are not using those skills. Mm-hmm. And there's actually some data that shows that those who are emotionally intelligent are earning about $30,000 more per year. than their colleagues. And, you know, it makes sense. I mean, these are the people that are closing the sales, they're Mm -hmm. getting the promotions and the merit increases. So it makes sense that these people would earn more money. Nice, nice. And how many sessions of a coaching with EQ does somebody require to achieve that level of improvement? And how much is empathy involved in EQ? So, I'll answer the empathy question first. I mean, that's actually one of the skills. So the, the model that, that I use is the EQI 2.0, and it's, mm-hmm. it's really the most robust as far as scientific validity and reliability. Mm-hmm. And that's why I went with that model. There are others that are, that are okay. I think yeah. that, again, the EQI 2.0 is the most robust. So there's 15 skills, and empathy is one of them. But mm-hmm. to your question about empathy, I, when you're dealing with other humans, yeah. That's one of the most critical skills that you have to know how to use. The problem is that it's not always easy to be empathetic towards someone else, especially if we don't like them, Mm -hmm. we don't agree with them. Our empathy switch gets turned off and we need to learn how to turn it back on so that we can be more collaborative instead of having these adversarial relationships where communication breaks down. But as far as coaching goes, you know, it really depends on the individual. I mean, I would say for most people, you know, six sessions really can make a big difference in giving you that one-on-one time where you're really talking about situations specific to you and it's customized to you and so are the strategies. And that gives you an opportunity to practice. Come back. We talk about how things are going, what we need to tweak. And, but, you know, again, it, it depends. There are some people that, you know, may not need, need as many and there are mm-hmm. some people that need more. I mean, I worked with I was hired to work with an ER physician when I first started my company and he was really struggling with the people skills part of it mm-hmm. and it was impacting his patient care. And wow. so, you know, I was hired to, to do an assessment. We actually did a 360 on him, which mm-hmm. means that he was able to choose who was going to fill out the assessment on him. And then we compared that to his own self reader assessment okay. Yeah. So that we could see where there were strengths aligned and where there were areas of opportunity to improve and where there were blind spots of areas where he didn't see at all that he needed to work on, Yeah, which was very illuminating for him. But, you know, he required a lot of one-on-one sessions because of where we were starting. Mm -hmm. You know, when we first started, it was everybody else's fault. He could not see that he, (laughs) that there was any account of personal accountability in the situations that were contentious at work, whether it was with a patient or with another you know, care provider. And by the time we ended, it, he was a completely different person. And that was really rewarding to see because he was at the beginning of his career. My fear was that 
he was not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, my fear was that he was going to get fired uh, and then blackballed because <laughs> he had, you know, there was so much data that was being collected on him that said, yeah. you know, he was not somebody that people wanted to work with. So, you know, to be able to to impact someone's life like that was was really rewarding for me. Nice. That's really beautiful. And I can relate. I don't know if I can relate, but I, I'm drawing some parallels. I'm, I love parallels. And, and uh, sometimes you, you'll see these patterns in families or siblings, mm, right? Absolutely. And it's really interesting, like, how people deal with it. And, like, I was, I've been watching this TV show called A Million... Uh, little things or mm-hmm. and um, it's really interesting the dynamics in there between parent between you know siblings between father and son and um, and you see like where because over time we build these preconceived notions mm-hmm. about our siblings or about mm-hmm. different people and then you're always going to watch them from that same lens mm-hmm. like you won't take off those glasses and see them from a new light because maybe there's something different mm-hmm. and having a good eq or better more intelligent i guess absolutely helps you look through look the look at those relationships from different eyes yeah i mean i think to your point you know these skills aren't just work skills they're life mm-hmm. skills yeah so you know the implications for our relationships, whether it be family or colleagues, is really important. And, you know, I think when, when, when I train people to start not just to understand the concepts, but how does it apply to my life or at work, yeah. it's about getting really curious with yourself yeah. and starting to own your part in things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when things aren't going right, well, what can I do to, yes. to change that? And, you know, if I could start to, if I can start to understand what the patterns are for my choices and my behavior, that's when I can start to improve and come up with strategies that'll work for me the next time a similar situation arises. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, to your point about the lens, we have to put we have to become so self-aware that we understand when our ego is getting in our way mm-hmm. and when our empathy switch is being shut off. And we have to put that in the back seat, put that ego in the back seat, get real curious about what we're doing and why and why we're using that lens mm-hmm. to view other people and also recognize that we all want other people to assume good intentions about us, but we don't do the same for others. Yeah. And that's when things, you know, that's when communication and relationships break down. So we have to come from a from a place of, you know, understanding that most of the time, yeah, people have good intentions, and Absolutely. you know, there's failed expectations that happen. But that's when a, an honest conversation needs to happen. Yeah. So, you know, one of the sayings um, of the prophet is that. Or even even in the Bible, do unto others what you want done unto you, mm. right? And mm-hmm. that comes exactly to the point that you're mentioning, that mm-hmm. you know people want good things happen to them, and they want other people to to treat you well. Mm-hmm. well it goes both ways, buddy. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the one of the things that I help organizations with is creating a culture of trust. 
Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting. I one of I worked with a, a global beauty company mm-hmm. and they rolled this workshop out company wide. And I'll never forget one of the very first workshops that I did. There were yeah. some executives that attended the workshop. And I remember one of the women saying, Well, I'm this was at the beginning of the workshop. I I, you know, I'm really good at, at creating trust because I have good intentions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, let's let's hold on to that thought. And yeah. then we did an exercise where everyone realized that they break trust, whether they mean to or not. We all do it in every relationship. We mm-hmm. all break trust. And, you know, we're not always aware that we're doing it. Yeah. And so then it was, oh, okay, intentions don't always align with behavior. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that, listen, none of us are perfect. We all break trust. So how can we repair it? And how can we get better about thinking about building trust? Because yeah. most of us don't think about it until trust has been broken. Mm-hmm. We're not intentionally thinking in every moment, how can I build and maintain trust? We're only thinking about it when somebody breaks our trust. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it was fascinating. It's like I can't. Yeah. And and one of the examples from the from the show was, this one gentleman, if he, he's like, you know, if she had found out from you, if you had told her, mm-hmm. she will trust you better. But she, since she had to find out a different way, mm. you know, she's not going to trust you. So you have to go through the pain and, and take this medication or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's, it's really interesting. You know, I was going to say on the topic of trust, Yeah, uh, one of the, questions that I asked in the book, hashtag no approval needed. And I interviewed women from around the world and asked them lots of different questions. But one of the questions that I asked was around the topic of deal breakers and, you know, what would cause you to draw a line in the sand and, and end a friendship or a relationship. And almost universally, one of the top answers was when someone breaks my trust. Yeah. And I thought, that was so interesting. And I wish that my, cause my follow-up question should have been, have you ever broken someone's trust? And I'm yeah. sure every, everybody would have said yes, yes. but yet mm-hmm. our standards for how, you know, what would cause us to end a relationship is if somebody breaks our trust. So it's just, you know, humans are so fascinating and um, I just, I just love having people, you know, take the masks off and be authentic, Yeah, which we don't always see, especially on social media. No, we don't. We don't see that at all. And what's really interesting about uh, human beings being interesting is that, you know, a lot of times we keep saying, oh, I'm rational. Not really. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. very, very irrational people. Yes, we are. And and we, we like to tell ourselves stories that we believe. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes these fairy tales and fantasies about how we, who we are and how we live our lives and and we're not even always honest with ourselves, much less everyone else. Exactly. And, you know, I was trying to get them to dig deeper and take the masks off. And that was one of the fascinating things about the book was there were some stories that I heard that people had never said aloud before. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't believe that they were, <laughs> in some cases, telling a stranger the story. But sometimes I guess it's easier to talk to somebody who doesn't know you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Those are some 
going to the mind hole. <laughs> what's mm-hmm. what's really amazing about the mind, and um, I'm, I attended this TED TEDx here in Ashburn, and uh, one of the speakers were talking about the mind and how there's three portions of the mind. There's the there's the frontal, mm-hmm. which makes all you know all all current happenings attending to what's happening. Then there's the limbic brain, which does mm-hmm. all of your intelligence work and all of your thinking and all of your, and then you've got the defensive brain um, or the, the lizard brain. I can't remember mm-hmm. what you mentioned. Yeah. Right. So the lizard brain is always, it's always up front and center in deciding what, how you're going to behave in any situation whatsoever. Yeah, your lizard brain is really looking at, you know, it's looking at at fight or flight. Yes. Um, I mean, it's responsible for other things like, you know, determining if you're going to, you know, engage in sexual behavior for procreation and, you know, if you're going to eat to live. And it's it's really survival. Yeah. It's those things that help us survive as a species. And then your limbic is where your brain is processing those emotions. Yeah. And then your frontal lobe is all the rational thinking. And so in the context of emotional intelligence, Mm The problem is that, you know, all of our external cues enter our brain through the, the primal, the primitive part of the brain, the lizard brain. Yeah. And um, then it has to go through the limbic system. That's where the emotions are processed. Mm-hmm. But we don't have rational thought attached to that until it reaches the frontal lobe. Oh, and there's a little bit of a lag time there. So mm-hmm. when you, they, you'll hear the term emotionally hijacked. Mm-hmm. And that's when, you know, think about um, the United Airlines example where you had the passenger who wouldn't get off yeah. and became, you know, combative. Mm-hmm. And you had the the United Airlines workers who also were not thinking clearly and <laughs> ended up in a physical melee. You know, if people had just paused and allowed their thinking brain to catch up with the emotional part of the brain, we wouldn't have these situations as often where people are doing things that they regret um and it's yeah so that's one of the things that that i teach individuals and organizations is we've got we got to use the power of the pause because we're allowing our the primitive part of our brain to to put us into fight or flight mode and that's never good situation that's that is so powerful because a lot like it's it's going back to the the things that you know, in, in our religion, they teach you like in the Quran and uh, the prophet says, if you're angry, change mm-hmm. your state. Like if you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, mm-hmm. sit down. Mm-hmm. you're laying, mm-hmm. sit up. So change your state mm-hmm. so you can have that pause. So yes. then your you know, next <laughs> level of your brain or the flow chart, you know, fills out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to buy yourself some time to make oh. a rational decision and choose an appropriate response <laughs> instead of just reacting. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, and once you understand that, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, from a leadership or even coworker perspective, mm-hmm. once you can start to view everything from survival mode, like who's in fight or flight, then you start to look at it. Like if I'm in a meeting and I say something and then I observe a response by somebody, what did I say mm-hmm. that caused them to be in fight mode where they're, yeah you know, confrontational or flight mode, which is where they shrink back and they shut down and they don't communicate anymore. Mm-hmm. So when you can start to look at those patterns and you can adjust your behavior also. So there's a two way street there where, yeah. you know, we can also look at 
what are we doing to make the situation better or worse? Yeah, absolutely. And it's bringing back me back to one situation that I was in that now I'm being ghosted. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. So I said something to someone and they're like, you know, you need to blah, 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 do this, this, this. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that because I'm listening to these guys. He's um, Seth Godin, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's saying you got to do what you want to do because if you listen to friends and family, mm-hmm. you're never going to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And then they probably took offense mm-hmm. and there's probably a day or two of more of conversation over text. And then after that, mm-hmm. I'm just ghosted and like no response, nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I, yeah. I guess. You know, um, I triggered something and um, I don't know how to get back to that previous stage. Yeah, I think there's a couple important things there. So the first thing that I would say is anytime you're in any kind of um, communication where there's room for disagreement or there already is disagreement, Mm -hmm. to stop communicating through text or email. Mm-hmm. And pick up the phone or see that person in person because you just the the fact that we're using written communication, oh my God. the brain is scanning for threats all oh the man. time. That's you know that lizard brain is on twenty four seven, and so it is looking for intent um, and tone and meaning where maybe there isn't any intended by the person writing it. Yeah, but the brain is you know going to see what it and it's going to fill in gaps, and it, mm-hmm. it's not real good at written communication it will it you know there's a lot of room for misinterpretation so that would be the first thing that i would say and then secondly you know when things don't go well i think you have to get really good at apologizing Mm -hmm. apologizing for your part in it and you know communicating that hey this relationship's important to me i know things went sideways yeah you know how, how can we fix it yeah and I think when you when you come at it from a place of humility and you let people know that you care, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and give a little bit of time for that emotion to settle down, most of the time things can be resolved. Absolutely, hmm. really good point. Be really good at apologizing, and I like to think that I'm I might be good at apologizing, but maybe I'm I'm overlooking that, and. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, you your mind starts overthinking, and you start telling stories to yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm. I'm. I did what I did, what I should have, mm-hmm. and um, that's really, really. Well, I don't think you have to apologize for your your viewpoint or right. you know your what course of action you're going to take. Sure. That's for you to decide. Mm-hmm. You can just say, you know, I'm so sorry that things went sideways. That was never yeah. my intent. You're important to me. Yeah. I want to fix this. And and you're just saying for the part of the, you know, where communication went wrong or if, you know, if you felt that I disrespected you, I'm so sorry, whatever yeah. that was, that was the result. Yeah. You know, we don't have to agree on, on the course of action that I'm going to take because mm-hmm. that's for me to decide, but yeah. I want you to understand how important you are to me. Good and, point. you know, and I'm sorry, if, you know, sorry that I hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. Um, I'll work on that. <laughs> No, I was not always good at apologizing. It took me because my ego would get in the way. Mm. And so I think that also is is important is using your ego as a red flag alert. You know, if you're oh. getting upset with someone else and if things are always their fault, if you're always right, 
you know, those are red flags. We're like, oh, okay, my ego is in overdrive. The ego is important. It serves to protect yeah, us, but it, yeah, it does. but it's sometimes too much for today. You know, back in the days of um, cavemen, we needed that, but now mm. we don't need so much ego. Yeah, we don't need it at all. <laughs> because well, we, we need a little bit. Because we need there are people that gene, but just, take advantage. But, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so most of the time, it's in overdrive, and it's making us do things to cut our nose off in spite of our face and that's not good yeah no that's that's totally on point because we are in this environment in this era there's a lot more collaboration happening Mm -hmm. than the individualistic approach at you know i'm gonna be an island and i'm gonna do Mm -hmm. everything myself Mm -hmm. and um yeah, it's definitely important to have that ego in check. Yes. Yeah. If we want to be operating at optimal level, we cannot work in silos. There's very few jobs that you can work in a silo and be successful. Yeah. We have to, we have to be able to communicate with others in a way that's respectful and meaningful and helping us to get done what we need to get done. So what are those jobs? Because I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> for the silos? <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. You know, I don't even, I, I don't even know. Because anything that I, I don't know. I don't know what that would be. Yeah. Um, I can't even think of one. I'm sure uh, there exists. I'm, I'm sure but... they do. Because um, I'm, I'm looking from the perspective of, I'm looking at construction. I'm looking at civil engineering. I'm looking at. Like any, all of those you have to communicate all, with others, though. Exactly. There's yeah. So much communication. So. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. The uh, that physician that I worked with mm-hmm. when when we first started working together, he said, "I think I want to um, change my specialty and and work in an ICU, so that I don't have to communicate." And I said, "Okay, so you may have patients that are intubated and you're not communicating with them, but the caregivers are there, the family yeah. and the rest of the care team. So exactly. that's not that's not a, a realistic option. <laughs> you know, it's like we, yeah. we got to fix this, and it's not you changing your specialty. That's mm-hmm. not going to work. That's mm-hmm. going to result in failure for sure. Exactly. So, but it was it was interesting. I <laughs> I, mean, I really can't. I, I don't know. I don't know what that job would be, but when you figure it out, let me know. And <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely absolutely right. Maybe you know, um, driving cross country doesn't require too much communication. Maybe I don't know. Maybe. maybe maybe it's possible. I don't know enough about how you know how much they have to check in. Yeah, they with do supervisors do. or yeah. I don't know, but that's the point. Maybe. <laughs> No offense to anybody, you know, driving cross country. Um, I did know some people in that area. Actually, my mm-hmm. cousin he he started a company where he picked he bought a couple of trucks and you know he's just doing deliveries. Mm-hmm. But again, communication is the is the stepping stone for being human, right? Yes. And the better you are, the better human you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, absolutely, it's it's wow. so well, important, so important. Absolutely, we well, I am definitely looking forward to your book. No approval. Thank needed. you. Um, it's like, I, and what's what's amazing is the more I get older, 
the more I realize how important it is to think, how important it is to have better communication skills. And mm-hmm. being a designer for the past 20 years, being a you know, web design, UX design, communication is like the number one thing. You got to be able to talk to your customers. You got to be able to talk to your clients to figure out what type of what type of message are they wanting mm-hmm. to share with with their audience right mm-hmm. um wh- who are their customers so yeah mm-hmm. communication is super important and as i grow older i i see a lot of parallels between user experience marketing having having good eq uh, emotional intelligence and so many different parts of life like it's super, super important to have because end of the day, we are all humans working with other humans with mm-hmm. the same set of emotions. Yeah, it's the humanness, mm-hmm. the authentic humanness that fascinates me. And yeah. um, hashtag no approval needed was my attempt to talk to women from mm-hmm. around the world to see, to get under the layers of BS, you know, that persona that we, we put out to the world, but maybe isn't truly us Mm -hmm. get underneath those layers and talk about, you know, their journey and life and career and relationships and being a parent or not. Um, We talked about, you know, marriage and their bodies and, sex and libido and affairs and the future. I mean, so many, so many different topics, but one of the topics we talked about was vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I asked them, what what are those things that you don't like to admit to yourself or to others that makes you feel afraid that you don't like to think about? And for some, that was a really difficult question Mm -hmm. because they had never really had a conversation about that before. Hadn't, hadn't really thought about those things. And, you know, for me, I like, I like the imperfections in humans. I think that's what makes us interesting and fascinating. And I love the authenticity of it. And, you know, I wanted them to talk about the things they don't talk about every day. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's some things that are, you know, I think, I think when people read it, Maybe they won't relate to every woman I interviewed. Yeah. What we'll find is that we're more alike than we are different. Absolutely. And you interviewed a lot of women, right? I interviewed close to 60 women and every continent was represented. These were all women in their 40s. Most of them were career women with the exception Mm -hmm. of a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, some were, were CEOs and their journey and their insight was just so fascinating, but they were all confidential conversations because, because some of the topics are, you know, a bit taboo. You don't necessarily want those associated with your professional brand. So I don't reveal anyone's name um, or any personal identifying information unless Mm -hmm. I was given consent to do so. So um, yes, it's going to come out May 7th and actually is available for pre-order right now on Amazon. I just um, did that yesterday. So nice. 
Yeah. Awesome. And the website's up and running and there's t-shirts associated with it. And so, awesome. yeah, it's a lot of activity right now, but it's really exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I saw your note and, 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 uh, or a couple of weeks ago and I was like, finally the book is done. And tis- oh, gosh. <laughs> I can't tell you it's been, yeah, so I'm self publishing, which has been such a growth journey because mm-hmm. the book world is very, very complex. Oh yeah. There's been so much I've had to learn, but just even this weekend, things that should be super easy have not been easy. And yeah. <laughs> there've been moments of tears many times Yeah, because things are not doing what I want them to do. And so mm-hmm. part of that lesson is not just that things are new and, and I'm learning, but I have to step away mm-hmm. and pause and breathe and go do something not related to it and come yeah. back at it with a fresh lens yeah. because it starts to make you crazy. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. Well, it seems like you took all of your career to come up with this book and then, well, not all of your career. I mean, all of your experience and, mm. you know, in being the consultant and, and having your company up, for the past uh, few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, really awesome how you, you know, took your experience and took your degree and took all of that and put it all together in this nice package that people can learn how to be better emotionally intelligent. But what hobby would you wish that, you know, you got into during all of this so you're gonna laugh at me but (laughs) i have always wanted to be a singer but i cannot sing (laughs) at all i mean i can sing but it's not good Mm -hmm. i'm tone deaf and i will make your ears bleed (laughs) but but if i could if i could like wave my magic wand Mm -hmm. i would want to be a singer because i think besides the fact that i don't have a good voice which you know in in my dream world that would change sure i think i've got stage presence and so i know i would have fun and i would make it fun for the audience you know and i would be uh it would just be an experience however you got to have a voice and unfortunately Mm. that is lacking (laughs) (laughs) well but i know i would be good if i had a good voice i would be a tremendous singer (laughs) (laughs) well it all it takes is practice I wish I, you you know, wish, I'm, really? missing, I'm missing the gene oh. that, yeah, that allows you to hear how good or bad you are. I, I really yeah. am tone deaf. I'm not exaggerating that okay. at all. All, right. all, right. all you have to do is listen to um, Diana Wen's uh, dance um, karaoke. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did one of those with her. Oh, nice. <laughs> so bad, <laughs> nice. but it was fun, but it was fun. I've been trying to get on her radar, <laughs> actually. Oh, yeah. um, Just Michelle, send me a message. She's Michelle so awesome. Pena, um, I think mm-hmm. mentioned that you know I should be. Yeah, fan- yeah, and then you could, and then you could interview her. But the two of yeah. you could swap. Yeah, That'd exactly. Be perfect. That would be perfect. All right. So having, you know, one thing I wanted to come back to was um, when you mentioned the authentic human, and mm. I'm going back to. Star Trek because I've been watching Star Trek Enterprise the new the mm-hmm. new show that started a couple of years ago, and I'm realizing why people were obsessed with Star Trek for the past fifty years mm-hmm. because you have Spock, 
who's mm-hmm. half human, half Vulcan, mm-hmm. but he's emotionally challenged, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. have other, like you have Christopher Pike, you have other human beings on there, and they have you know very strong emotions, but then they either have to scale it back or they're in mm-hmm. in roles where you know the emotion and the empathy is needed. For example, being a doc, being a medical examiner, or being a medical officer. Mm-hmm. And then there are other species, there are other aliens on there that mm-hmm. are really good at like sensing danger and, and um, there's mm, right. And it's really int- like obviously they're all played by human beings, mm-hmm. but it's they're amplifying one or two or three different emotions that, uh, that us humans have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's I I haven't watched any of the new stuff, but I certainly watched Star Trek as a kid, and Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, our brains first of all prefer information to be told to us in story form. Yeah, but we want there to be an emotional connection with it. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we remember, and I mean, so even if you were to think about something like ET, why did we love ET? Because Mm There was so much emotion involved in that story, you know, there was love, there was fear, there was sadness. I mean, you know, these are the, as humans, again, Mm -hmm. we are wired to experience emotions 24 seven and it's at the heart of who we are. It's in our core. It's fundamentally such a big part of our, of our experience in this life and, and our personalities. And so we, we have to learn how to use those to our advantage Nice. Um, both professionally and personally. Yeah. So on that note, what would be your favorite movie or TV show? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I, I tend to like some of the funny stuff. Mm-hmm. There's one movie that I, re- I don't know how I missed this when it came out, but I, because it, it's older, I just mm-hmm. saw it uh, earlier this year, The Sweetest Thing. It's with Cameron Diaz and mm-hmm. Christina Applegate. And the reason why I like that movie is because there are, shenanigans that go on you know they're best friends and yeah the shenanigans that happen between the two of them are absolutely hysterical and they remind me of college days with my best friend and just so so funny i mean like crying laughing funny um you know it's not it's certainly not like an you know oscar award winner or anything like that but just because it hits on that emotional connection Mm -hmm. and taking me back down memory lane and you know not that we had the same things happen exactly but you know similarities that remind me of my best friend and, mm-hmm. and our time together in college so yeah those I would parallels, say that one. Right? yes exactly you know well, those when you're able to read a book or see a movie or listen to a song that you emotionally connect with it triggers memories mm-hmm. you know and um can be very very nostalgic and just this was a lot of fun to revisit some of those days with with my best friend in college Nice. So on that, um, who would you choose to be your favorite superhero? Oh, Wonder Woman, of course. <laughs> I mean, that, that's an easy that's, one. I have, I one, have right? a, a picture of Wonder Woman on my vision board. Nice. And I actually, as a kid, <laughs> back when, you're, you're probably too young, but they had underoos, which were mm-hmm. like these little pajama kind of things. They were called mm-hmm. underoos, and they had them for all the superheroes. Mm-hmm. And I had one for Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, 
And I really thought I could be her when I was wearing them. So, you know, I was like four or five. And I remember strategically setting up a wooden piano bench uh-huh. a few feet from my bed. Yeah. And I thought I would jump like Wonder Woman. And so <laughs> I did. I jumped from my bed onto this bench and I, and I landed, except mm-hmm. for the fact that then the bench started to rock back yeah. and forth. And I landed flat on my face and ended up injuring myself. And uh, it just was a fiasco. But I've always loved Wonder Woman. And when the new movie came out, yeah. what, like a year or two ago, mm-hmm. I thought it was so well done. Is, and I took my kids and I wanted to see it again. I thought it was just awesome. Yeah, I think I've, I've probably seen that movie two or three times. It was really good. Yeah, it's so good. And I'm, I'm in some... Um, Wonder Women groups on LinkedIn with nice. women from around the world who are yeah. just brilliant and yeah, it's just awesome. So that was an easy question. <laughs> Perfect. Well, here's uh, one of the last questions. If you were a board game, what would it be? Oh wow! Oh, See, I would want to create my own. There you go. <laughs> because I don't feel like any of those would represent who I am today. I feel like I've gone through so much transformation, especially Mm -hmm. in my 40s. So if there was a game, a board game called Transformation, Mm -hmm. that would be my board game. That would be it. Nice. That would be it. Yep. Well, you know, there's probably, I'm I'm trying to get that number right, but there's probably 3,000 to 3,500 new board games that come out every month. Oh, I did not know that. So maybe there could be a board game called No Approval Needed. Just, just ah, yes, that is a fantastic idea. <laughs> you know, a fantastic idea. Yeah, you never know where because that's right. You never you, know. Because mm-hmm. you're building a tribe with your No Approval Needed book. And I've been right? it's not even out yet, and yeah. I and there's been so much support and interest and people following the journey mm-hmm. globally, which has yeah. just blown my mind. Yeah. It's just been an awesome experience. I never really expected people to care this much. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, cool. especially as a new author and I'm, I'm really yeah, absolutely. Because like you said, human beings and emotions go hand in hand and we're talking about no approval needed. Well, because Right. We're always asking for approval. Like, oh, should I do this? And then, yes. and I'm, I'm guessing that's what you're doing in the book. You know, you're. Yeah, that's been part of the journey, mm-hmm. especially for women in their 40s. We finally yeah. reach a point where we are confident, mm-hmm. we know ourselves, we like yeah. ourselves, and we are not interested in your permission or approval. And that's mm-hmm. how. When I was, I didn't come up with the title until the end of the book mm-hmm. after I was done writing it. And I went back and looked through my notes and I wanted something that was representative universally of the yeah. women that I interviewed. And that was it. So yeah. that's how we came up with hashtag no approval needed. Nice. Well, I appreciate um, the talk and appreciate that you think I'm a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> just go with that. <laughs> I was going to go with that. <laughs> um, where can my audience find you? You did mention you have a website up. Yeah, so finally, my website developer finished the author website. So that's at chrismack, K R I S M A C C hyphen author 
www.thegreatdoctor.com. And then there's a Facebook group for the community, and that's hashtag no approval needed book. Nice. And then my company website is KMAC, K-M-A-C-C, solutions with an S, dot com. Perfect. I'll be sure to include the links in the show notes. And um, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was an awesome conversation. And you should definitely swap with Diana. I will. I'll definitely reach out to her. Thanks again, Chris. Thank you, Janae. Take care. You too. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Hacks and Hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today.